Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finner, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Today is Thursday, November the 11th, and we gather around the inspired and true Word of God and put on our Christ goggles as we study Ecclesiastes chapter 11. We're getting towards the end of this book of wisdom, and today I could not help as I read this and studied this text to think of the old movie Dead Poets Society, where Robin Williams kept telling the young men, seize the day seize the day carpe diem he would always say to them and that reminds me of what we have here but clearly it's not the same dynamic as on that movie it's not we're not saying the same thing but everything is seen in the light of faith so what does this mean for us and how does it point us to christ we'll find out today for the gifts are ready ready for you thy strong word is graciously graciously underwritten by our friends at lutheran heritage foundation for more information of their great work around the world, visit lhfmissions.org, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's word, we welcome back regular guest, Pastor Thomas Eckstein of Concordia Lutheran Church in Jamestown, North Dakota. Pastor Eckstein, welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Great to be here. Pastor, what's going on for you in North Dakota, your family, and the work of the saints at Concordia? Well, first, as we speak, we're getting the first snow flurries of the fall <laughs> here in Jamestown, North Dakota. Um, but it's been a, a, an immensely, I don't know about you over there in Sartell, Minnesota, but we've had an unbelievably pleasant fall uh, up mm -hmm. to this point. Amen. Um, and do you have snow over there yet? <laughs> no, we do not. It rained yesterday, and it never, it never got below thirty-eight. So we were pretty happy. Well, I guess I should say I was happy. I don't know about the hunters if they're real happy, or people who like to ski if they are. But I know I am, so that's what I think about. But yeah, no snow yet. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's nothing overwhelming right now, but it's you know we are getting snow flurries as we speak. And then uh, only other thing, uh, life's been good. Things are going well at Concordia. The, the only challenge, my for the past five weeks, my wife has been down in Texas uh, caring for her ill mother until her younger sister can come and help out. Uh, uh, but she will be back uh, tomorrow night. Uh, she's flying into Jamestown, so uh, looking forward to seeing her again after she's uh, spent some time with her mother. So. Well, wonderful. How is your son in Georgia doing as a DCE? Doing very, very well. And uh, we're actually looking forward to going down, uh, Lord willing. Our plans will work out. Uh, we're hoping to head down there after Christmas and spend a little time there and uh, uh, hang out with them and our grandchildren. So, Absolutely. Well, God bless you on that. A reminder to our listeners to continue to pray for uh, old Pastor uh, Eckstein and his mother-in-law, but also for his uh, for his son and, and grandchildren and safe travels for everyone involved. But Pastor, today uh, we begin and we look at Ecclesiastes chapter 11, which would be really fun. Uh, can you ask the Lord's blessings on our time in God's Word and prayer? Yes. Heavenly Father, we come before you today, and as we get ready to study this portion of your Holy Scriptures, uh, we... Uh, Pray that you would help us to to trust you and know that you love us and, and to live to your glory in the various vocations you've given us, even though we live in a sin-cursed world where, where life can often be uncertain. Uh, Lord, even though uh, we live in a world where there's pain and suffering, in your mercy, you still give us times of joy and pleasure, and for this we give you thanks. Uh, but when we do face times of difficulty and tragedy, uh, when old age uh, catches up with us and, and 
death seems near. Uh, help us to remember that that life does have purpose, and that purpose is our relationship with you and the salvation you've given us. And the fact that through your Son we have forgiveness and the hope of eternal life with you in the face of death itself. And so, Lord, uh, all things are not vanity through faith in your Son. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Reminder to listeners, if you have any questions concerning this chapter, which I really had a fun time studying this, so if you have any questions that pop up in your mind, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, or call 314-821-0850, 314-821-0850. Now, Pastor, chapter 11, I found that interesting. It, it, it continues these short, pithy lines of wisdom, but I found this to be a very uh, positive chapter among many uh, sometimes kind of dour <laughs> uh, chapters yes. in Ecclesiastes. So how, how do you want to start us off so we start off on the right foot? Um, to, you know, we'll look at each little line individually here, but if I was to sum up the whole thing, I, I think what Solomon is saying here is, you know, don't be like unbelievers who would look at the, the cares and losses of life and say, why bother? You know, mm-hmm. if, if I'm going to risk uh, of possibly losing this, well, why even try in the first place? You know, I, I I think of the parable of Jesus where, you know, I'm just going to bury my treasure. You know, why why take a risk? You know, and, and here Solomon is saying, uh, yeah, sure, life has um, uh, many things we can't control. Are there tragedies and losses? Sure. But that doesn't mean uh, we should just sit in our you know, uh, uh, cans and and not do anything. Uh, We have vocations to fulfill in this life. Um, Not only do we have a merciful God that, that gives us times of pleasure and joy, even though we live in a sin cursed world, but, but he calls us to serve our neighbor and to, to uh, uh, be fruitful and fill the earth. And, and, and even though there are losses, uh, there is still purpose uh, in life uh, by serving our neighbor and doing all that we do to the glory of God. And of course, ultimately, when old age and death does come, you know, uh, we have that that hope that Christ has conquered all of that. So for the believer, we, we can live in life's, you know, uh, ups and downs and, and gains and losses, knowing that ultimately we have hope in Christ. And that that's where there's, like I said, there's a positive note. And then there's a lot of the parts of Ecclesiastes where it tries to show you life without faith. But I found chapter 11 to be seeing it through the lens of faith. Any thoughts on that? Yes, no, I agree. Um, you know, uh, especially, I, I don't want to steal thunder from tomorrow's program, but, you know, uh, <laughs> the, the, the whole Solomon uh, finally says, you know, here's the conclusion of the matter. After we've looked at all these things that people try to find meaning in in life, it comes down to, to trusting God and His Word. And, and especially his promises in Christ. Because, you know, so, you know the, uh, Solomon in chapter 12 uh, talks about, you know, uh, 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 keep God's commandments. And often we hear that in a very legalistic way, as though it's about, um, you know, follow the rules. And, um, and I'm not saying we shouldn't obey God's law, you know, avoid the evil he condemns and, and pursue the good he commends. But, but when, when Solomon talks about keep the commandments, uh, it's more than just, okay, the, the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. Uh, the, the, the commandments he's talking about is all the teaching of God, and that includes his promises. 
In other words, mm-hmm. Psalm is saying, mm-hmm. uh, 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 embrace God's word, trust God's word, because that includes hope in the face of death itself. And and so when we live the life of faith, um, uh, suddenly uh, all the meaningless of life goes away. So let's dig in as we see the hope that is uh, that we see in today's text through the lens of faith, trusting in the Lord. As you said, the book kind of ends, I, f- I feel like, and I'm going to talk to Dr. John Nunes tomorrow about this in our study, but sometimes I feel like I should have started in chapter 12 because there it begins with fear the Lord and then go back to chapter one to have a new lens. But today we start with that, fear the Lord and keep his commandments. And what does that look like in our lives? So are you ready to start, Pastor? Absolutely. All right. So chat, reminder to our listeners, we'll be reading from the English Standard Version of Holy Scripture, Ecclesiastes chapter 11, and we'll just do the first verse. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Now, Pastor, I'm going to start with a very literalistic idea here. So what I should do is I live next to Mississippi River. I'll throw <laughs> the big loaf of bread into the water and I'll find it after a few days. That is that a, a good interpretation? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what is he saying here? Yeah, and uh, you know, you're right though. The 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 literal, uh, you know, especially uh, you know, let's face it. Every once in a while, Solomon's pithy statements, we kind of go, huh? What in the world is he saying? And and it helps to to understand uh, uh, some of the. Um, symbolism he uses, especially from from that culture that might not necessarily translate into our culture. But uh, in the research I've done, uh, to cast your bread upon the waters, at least back then, that 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 was a reference to the fact uh, that most uh, business and trade was was done on ships. Uh, if you were a businessman and you had a product and you wanted to get it out, uh, uh, the the most efficient way. Because uh, land travel was very difficult back then, uh, the most efficient way was to send it by ship. Um, but uh, he, why would he need to say this at all? Because uh, I think Solomon could envision someone saying, "You know, uh, I know sending my stuff by ship is the most efficient way to do it, but you know, there's there's pirates, and then there's uh, of course storms, and sometimes you lose everything because your ship you know sinks. I would it would be better not to even try." And someone's saying, "No, you, you can't live that way." Uh, is there loss in life? Sure, but 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 you need to cast your bread upon the waters. You need to go ahead and do business. Uh, otherwise, life comes to a halt. You, you can't live in fear. And um, I, I think you know a good modern version of that would be you know you, you think of how many of uh, our products are delivered uh, across our nation by semi trucks. You know, and even now we're having a trouble with distribution because apparently, you know, we don't have enough truck drivers in our nation. But but imagine if every business said, you know, uh, every once in a while there's an accident and the semi, you know, jackknives or or it gets an accident, we lose our product. So we're not going to even send anything by truck anymore. But what if every businessman did that? You know, uh, it, it would be ridiculous. Life would come to a halt. We we wouldn't. Our grocery stores would be empty. So Psalm is saying here, you can't live. In fear, do we live in a world where bad things happen and sometimes you lose? Yeah, but that can't stop you from living. And especially as believers, uh, we step out and trust the Lord, and and we know that He knows our needs. He will take care of us. And if He does allow us to suffer loss, then He has a plan in that too. 
And that's a, a great way for us to thank you for that. Um, speaking about boating and uh, bringing commerce really throughout, we see this with um, Solomon actually in First Kings ten. It talks about how he would send out, you know, the all all the riches and so forth via the boat. So he under, understood how to do this, how to do this efficiently. But also, this was through the lens of faith saying, step out. Uh, Dr. Bullhagen in his commentary says, nothing ventured, nothing gained. And right. so he's not given a business strategy. He's not, this is not a leadership conference, but in some senses it is when you see through the lens of faith that we move forward no matter the circumstance because God is there with us and carrying us is, is, a, is a great way that we see that in Solomon's life and then we see it in our own. Um, and it's just a great reminder in faith we go forward and we take on um, the ventures that he has before us. And he even said, plunge forward is the uh, the language. He's used the water as well. Anything else? Um, your thoughts on that first verse? Well, one other, I think, analogy this applies to, I, I think of this because I, I recently talked to a young person who said, uh, Pastor, um, when I was young, my parents went through a horrible divorce. And so I'm never going to get married. I said, well, why? He says, because I, I, I know there's good marriages out there, but I, I, I don't want the risk of that happening to me. And I, I thought, mm-hmm. I thought, you know, I said, I don't deny that, you know, when you get me, even when Christians get married, one sinner is marrying another. So, yes, there's always going to be conflict in the marriage. But, but when you marry a Christian, first of all, you know, you have Lord at the center of your marriage, and that's a great foundation. And I said... And then secondly, I said, you know, uh, whether it's with marriage or anything in life, uh, are there going to be risks of pain and loss? Yes. Um, But that can't stop you from living. God calls us to rejoice in his gifts and to live out in our vocations. And and we can't let the the pain and loss of this sin-cursed world paralyze us. God still calls us uh, to uh, live to his glory in this world. Now, this is a very refreshing, I would say, transition towards the end in Ecclesiastes, because there's many parts where he seems to be grieving. He's grieving the realities of this life, and and I can't even remember all the chapters that I, I, I didn't write them down, but there's a lot of parts here where he is just grieving the realities of what's there. You know, I get wisdom, that doesn't seem to do any good. I, I gained riches, well, that didn't seem to be any good. And then he went back and forth with the vanity, which is true, and that's a main focus. And here he's definitely showing, you know what? But even in the midst of that, one, fear the Lord, eat, drink, be merry, basically the language for, for the, everything's in the Lord's hands. And here, he really pushes us forward in our daily vocations, whether you're working, whether even you're retired, whether you are a child. All of it tells you to plunge onward, to move forward, seize the day. I, you know, I couldn't help, like I said, Dead Poets Society. I just felt like I was saying that over and over in here. But everything, it's different than the movie, different than a, like a secular leadership conference. Here, it's move forward because it is the Lord who's with you. And in faith, we move forward because it's, you know, salvation has been won. And we fear God knowing that he's a loving and gracious God. Any any thoughts on the difference of what he's saying from what we typically hear in culture? Oh yeah, well the, the big difference, of course, is God. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is this this is not about you know pull yourselves up by your own bootstraps. You know, you're, you're going to have your best life now. You know, um, uh, no, this is about how we are secure in our Creator and Savior, and life is a gift. 
And and here, you know, the, the other thing, Solomon is, is basically alluding to this in this chapter, but we see Jesus teaching on this, is that for the Christian, even suffering is a gift and has meaning. And that's the thing, you know, uh, for an unbeliever, I think for the atheist, uh, I think one reason they have such a hard time dealing with suffering is, is for them, all of life is meaningless. And then especially when you have pain and suffering, it, it, it just adds to the emptiness and the meaninglessness. So what's the point? I mean, if we're just an accident of a of a accidental universe and, and, and you know, we're going to die and, and the universe could care less, then what's the point of suffering? Why not just end it all? And mm-hmm. whereas Jesus teaches, no, God actually uses suffering to shape your character and to draw you closer to the Lord. And, and as, as I tell my own people, I said, you know, one thing we forget as Christians is that um, one reason God allows believers to suffer is that it gives us an opportunity to witness to unbelievers about the hope we have in Christ. You know, an unbeliever might see a Christian going through a, a difficult time and then saying, you know, you seem to have hope. You, 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 you don't seem to be completely in despair. Well, wh- why is that? And boy, then we have an opportunity to tell them about Jesus. And so far from being some empty humanistic leadership seminar, this is Solomon saying, um, we have our creator and savior as our foundation and purpose in life. And that's why we can go forward and rejoice in God's gifts, even though we can, we will face loss in this life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice is what Paul tells us. Let's go to verse 2 as we hear another wise statement for us. I think that really piggybacks off of verse 1. Verse 2. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you not know not what disaster may happen on earth. Here he's speaking about what I would say is generosity. And what is he telling us? Yeah, here, you know, it's interesting, again, from a, uh, an atheistic point of view. Um, I remember one time I was reading an article by an atheistic Darwinist, you know, we're all here by accident. But he was making the point that, that even evolution, Darwinism can answer everything. And he said, one example, it says, uh, for, for an atheist that believes in evolution, um, I, I really don't know how to, how to explain altruism. He says, I don't know how to explain love. Because he says, you know, in, in a doggy dog world, survival of the fittest, you know, you hang on to what you need for yourself, you know, and, and why give it to somebody else? Because this is just all one big competition. And and here Solomon says, no, for the person who trusts in God, it's the opposite. You know, we're called to love our neighbor, uh, to first of all, not only see everything we have as a gift from God, but also realize that God gives us various uh, uh uh, treasures, so that we can share them with others, especially those in need. And and I think Solomon's point here is, you know, uh, one thing that could keep us from doing that is the fact that that we often uh, don't know when we're going to have a crisis or a disaster. Someone might say, well, how, how can I even share this uh, stuff I have with my neighbor because I might need it? You know, who, who knows what might happen in a week? You know, uh, I might need this for me, so I can never be charitable. Solomon says, nonsense. Uh, do we know what's going to happen tomorrow? Do we know what disasters may come? No, but that should not stop us from being loving, because uh, just as Christ gave his all for us, we have the joy and privilege of, of serving others with what God has given us. And uh, if something, some crisis happens in the future, God will work through that too, and we trust him. And this, I mean, it all comes back to why be generous in the first place, 
which is from Second Corinthians 8, where it says, he who was rich became poor so that in yeah. him we might have the righteousness of God. And, and, and that really brings it to the heart, whether you are young or you are old, if you will, um, whether you are working or you have a ton or you don't have a ton here, give a portion away, he says. And with that, there is there's joy because you're able to serve others because we don't know tomorrow. He doesn't say get rid of everything, but he is saying give a portion and to do it, obviously, in the lens of faith. Anything else in verse two, Pastor? Well, yeah, I mean, and I think uh, how Christians, many Christians joyfully uh, not only give to support the church, but often uh, over and above that, give to other charities. And, and from a worldly point of view, you know, it's like, boy, you know, times are, are hard and they could get worse. You better save all this stuff for yourself. You know, look out for number one. But as Christians, we don't think that way. We, 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 we live each day that God has given us, and when he presents us with an opportunity uh, where we're able to help our neighbor, we do that, and we, we, we trust God for the future. Well, let's keep moving forward. Um, verses 3 and 4. 3 and 4. If the clouds are full of rain... They empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. Now, with the bare bones reading of this, you kind of have a little bit of a um, duh statement. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I was saying, my, That's my right. first response to verse 3 was, Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's probably Luther probably wrote that somewhere as well. Um, but so, so he's he's breaking this down in a wonderful way that really does build off of the first two verses. And why is he doing the quote "duh" statement of the year in verse three and leads us to verse four? Now, actually, I love verse three because I think what he's getting to here is, hey, uh, humans, uh, there's a ton of stuff we can't control. Okay. Um, uh, uh, you know, the, the weather, uh, we, we can't control that. The clouds are going to do what they're going to do. And if some tree gets blown over by the wind, it's going to fall. And, and, and if there's no human there, it's going to fall where it falls. And, and the point is, there's a ton of stuff that goes on in nature we can't control. And one example I use, I use this with our, our, our youth in confirmation to talk about how, how, you know, especially in our modern technological world, we have to remember how frail we are, and there's still a ton of things we have absolutely no control over. And the example I give is, is you know, our Earth. I said, here we are, we're living on a planet uh, in the middle of a vacuum, space and uh it, it it rotates at just the perfect distance uh and rotates around the sun for human life to exist i said scientists have shown if it was just a little closer we'd fry if it was a little farther away we'd freeze to death um and yet there's no company on earth that's in charge of making sure the earth rotates perfectly around the sun every year it just happens and we have absolutely no mm -hmm. control over it and i think that's what solomon is saying here hey there is a ton of stuff we can't control and we better remember that <laughs> and that that is really helpful because he he goes through this later on and just speaks about the realities of the world and says basically god is in control like you said and with that, it leads to verse 4, when he talks about observing the wind or uh, regarding the clouds. And, and it's an interesting move forward in verse 4. How would you describe that? 
Yeah, I think what he's saying here, after he makes it very clear that we cannot control so many things, especially the weather, then he makes the point. He says, okay, if you agree with me on that, then then you should not conclude, well, then I'm not going to do anything. I, I, you know, I think of, you know, North Dakota is a very rural state, a lot of farmers. Can you imagine a farmer saying, I am never going to plant a crop because who knows if it might be a drought? Who knows if I might get hail? Uh, who, who knows if I might get too much rain? So I, uh, I'm not going to plant a crop. Well, what if every farmer thought that way? You know, we'd be starving. And, and so what Solomon is saying here is, you know, if you're constantly going to uh, think about all the stuff you can't control and allow that to paralyze you, you'll never do anything. So, again, we have to live in faith and trust that we actually have a God who's in control and he knows what our needs are. Um, you know, do we go through pain and suffering sometimes? Yes. But one analogy I always use with people, I say, um, I've said this several times over the years at, at Concordia and Jameson, I said, add up all the days of your life, however old you are, add up all the days of your life, and on the left side, put all the days that you had food and clothing and shelter and relatively good health. And then on the right side, put the days that you were naked and starving and homeless and up at death's door. I said, which side would have more days? And everybody knew says, well, of course, the, the left side, you know. Um, and, and I say, you see, even though we live in a sin-cursed world, God really does answer our prayer, give us this day our daily bread. Sure, does he allow us to go through times of want and suffering sometimes? Yes. But the fact is, the vast majority of times, we have food and clothing and shelter and, and even relatively good health. And so God knows what our needs are, and he takes care of us. And I think, you know, Jesus says, you know, do not worry about tomorrow. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. He, he knows what you need, and he's going to provide for you as you see his best. I think that's really what's undergirding this comment here uh, by Solomon. Now, when we put this into, you put it into farming terms, like you said, for North Dakota, and I want to, I want to think about it in this sense, and I want to hear your thoughts, is when we operate as a church, I feel like this can be, um, it can be abused. And of course, everything can be abused. And as you said, there's that reality where someone will say, ah, what's the point? It doesn't matter. It shouldn't do anything. And then you have somebody else who says, no, we need to do something. And then, and then there's, you know, sometimes a war, sometimes there's controversy, sometimes there's arguments, uh, voters meetings, whatever you want to call it, church. But for the, the Christian and their daily vocations, what would be your general um, encouragement as we hear these words? that don't don't just observe the wind don't just look at the clouds uh trust in the lord what what are ways that you've seen or encourage people with this kind of uh with the exhortation from solomon any any pastoral examples or thoughts yeah well i i think in our own congregation you know we we there are times we've stepped out in faith uh, uh and have taken what i i call a um well-reasoned uh risk uh, what I mean by well-reasoned is obviously you can take risks that are absolutely foolish, and I don't think Solomon is is teaching us to do that here. You know, uh, there, 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 there's something to be said for discernment and counting the cost. But at the same time, um, uh, we have to avoid the other extreme of, well, I'm never going to step out and, and uh, um, you know, uh, it, invest the treasures God has given me in some type of mission or ministry because, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I live in, a, in an uncertain world, and so I have to, you know, keep it all for myself. And, um, and uh, you know, 
as congregations, at times, not only do we encourage our members to give faithfully to the church, uh, to trust the Lord and, and give the best they can, um, because uh, otherwise the, the, the church won't have the, the uh, you know, the tools it needs, the finances to do its mission. But then once the church has those sacrificial gifts, the, the church itself needs to say, okay, you know, how can we use this now? Uh, uh, to best further God's kingdom. And I'll give you one example. You know, I, I, every once in a while I hear about some congregations where they have, you know, maybe someone's died and they left them $300,000 or something, and it just sits there in the bank. You know, and rather than rather than doing missions now and, and, and using it to be a blessing now, it's like, no, we better hang on to it because in 20 years we might need a new rope. You know, that kind of thinking. It's like, okay, there's a place for saving. Uh, I understand that. But also, it, it's it's kind of silly just to hoard money because, uh, oh, we, we don't dare, you know, send emissions or, or get another church worker because, you know, in 20 years we might need it, you know, for this. And I, I think we just have to use, re, take reasoned risks and, and step out in faith and remember that that uh, the mission of the church is not about you know putting on a new roof on a building in 20 years but it's about finding ways to to serve the the needy and proclaim the gospel now here and now so in faith sees the day right now we need to take our break we are studying ecclesiastes chapter 11 with pastor thomas Eckstein, and we'll be right back These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan316. And welcome back. We are studying Ecclesiastes chapter 11 with Pastor Thomas Eckstein of Concordia Lutheran Church in Jamestown, North Dakota. Now, Pastor, as we got through the first four verses, it, it lays the groundwork for the rest of our time in this chapter. So I want to make sure as we look at that, there is one, one line I read about this is that there's always uncertainty. The time is to plant now. And that makes me think about what you mentioned is a lot of times churches will have tons of money in the bank. And the reality is that that $300,000 that you put into the bank, well, isn't really $300,000 because what happens is you have $300,000 and then let's right. say it gets under under $200,000 and everyone starts freaking out and they just pull it back even further. They start, well, oh my gosh, everything's going down. And I understand I tend to be that way myself. So what would be your encouragement for somebody, for a church that gets $300,000 or whatever the, the gift might be, not an exact like, Give it to Concordia Lutheran Church in Jamestown. I'm not saying, saying that, but what would be your encouragement for them to be plunge onward, plunge forward, and ideas of how they can use that money to God's glory? Any thoughts? 
Well, first of all, I, I think you know the, uh, the 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 way to look at this is is uh, I, I think Solomon is good at saying you know as a Christian using God's gift of wisdom, we need to avoid extremes. You know, the one extreme is, of course, I'm not going to do anything because life is so uncertain. Of course, the other extreme is to to not use wisdom at all and just use your money foolishly. Yeah, there, there's a place for 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 saving and and uh, you know uh, 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 setting some money aside for an emergency. I understand that we all do that in our own family budgets. But but um, you know when a when a church uh, has uh, um, an opportunity to move forward in mission and ministry, and it requires just a little more sacrifice, a little more investment that, that is uh, uh, a possibility to achieve. We shouldn't let fear and, and, and uncertainty and worry, or, or worse yet, greed, keep us from doing that. I'll just give one example of our own congregation. I'll be brief about this. Um, you know, right now, in addition to me, we have a full-time deaconess. And there was some debate about, she's been here four years now, and it's been a great blessing to the ministry of our congregation. And when we were uh, looking at calling a full-time deaconess, uh, we looked at the finances and said, you know, this is going to require, you know, uh, a step of faith. It's going to mean all of our members are going to have to give a little more because if our giving doesn't go up to this amount, uh, we're not going to be able to make it. And, you know, that reality could have kept us from doing it at all. But but we, we used what I called, um, we took a reasoned risk. You know, it wasn't like, you know, okay, uh, we're, we're a mid-sized congregation, and we're going to call 10 more full-time church workers. Well, of course, yeah, I reckon they'll do that. But it's like, okay, can we, can we, can we reasonably call a full-time deaconess? Is it going to require some more sacrifice? Is it going to mean we have to encourage our members to give a little bit more and, and, and then trust the Lord to provide? Because we see a real need here, and then this could really be a blessing to us. So we did it. And has it been a financial challenge? Have, have we had to communicate you know, to our members, hey, this is how much each of you need to give a little more percentage-wise to make this happen? Yeah, we've had to do that. But so far, the Lord has provided. He's provided. Uh, even during this COVID pandemic, when many congregations panicked, you know, the Lord provided wonderfully for us through that. And so, you know, we could have just said, oh, th- th- this is a little too much of a risk. Um <clears throat> our members aren't going to be willing to give any more, um, so let's not do this. And and if we had made that decision, it would have held us back from all the wonderful ministry that happened these last four years. And then, like I said to them, I said, you know, if a few years from now things change and we can't afford the second full-time staff person— We'll deal with that when the time comes. We'll, uh, you know, uh, we'll, we'll we'll handle that when it comes. But for now, God has allowed us to have this. So, so let's rejoice. Let's seize the day, <laughs> and 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 rejoice in this opportunity God has given us. And if if we come up to some obstacles in the future that we really can't handle, we'll deal with it then. I love your line. Well, first of all, thank you for sharing that. And we pray for your deaconess and the ministry that happens with her and, and the work that you do as, as, as pastor and so forth. It is a reasoned risk. And I think that's an important line for us all to remember is that obviously we're not being reckless. And, and Solomon's not saying that clearly. He's not a reckless person when it comes to this. But he definitely, that's a wonderful example for all of us to pray for wisdom and for reasoned risk. So let's keep moving forward. Are you ready to move forward? Absolutely. Okay, verse 5, verse 5. As you do not know the way the spear comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God. 
So I'm going to stop there because this could be a, a long conversation of, what do you mean we don't know? We know science now. Why would we listen to Solomon? He didn't understand, but we do now. Therefore, these words are mute and void for our culture today. But I think it still relates. In what ways does verse 5 relate to us today? In fact, uh, really, I would argue that now, especially with our scientific understanding of DNA and, and all the complexity of biological life, I would argue this is even more relevant in our society because because yeah. yeah. as, as as we've studied the intricacy of biological life especially human life we start to realize man no human being can even begin to create anything like this i mean th- this is so immensely complex it's beyond comprehension you know you read these books about dna and it's like oh my and we're supposed to believe this just popped into existence by accident i am sorry um, and, and so I would argue that now with our biological knowledge of, of, of how, you know, the, the sperm and the egg meet and, and you have this, uh, all this complex information, the unique DNA of a, uh, a, a special human being. And, and then, and, and then it, it, by a process, we don't, you know, we don't control how it, uh, all the, the cells divide and continue to form. And it just amazes me how this, this microscopic sperm and egg, and suddenly the body just grows into hands with little fingers and, and eyes with eyelashes and, 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 the, and the brain with all its complexity. It kind of blows your mind. And, and mm-hmm. so I think Solomon is saying here, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the mysteries of life, oh, we can't even begin to embrace them. And I, I would argue that our, our modern tech, uh, knowledge has, has made it all of a more of a mystery. It, it, it reminds us how vastly complex the universe is, and, and we should just stand in awe of it. Well, I'm into that. That's all I can say, because he he speaks in a language that's definitely like uh, John chapter three, where it talks about the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from. That same kind of language, you you couldn't help but think John's not thinking of this or that was quoted from Ecclesiastes, is that there's so much mystery, but the mystery is not just like a mystery. "Mm, I wonder how that is. But the more you look at it, the more you're in awe of God. Because as a father of four, you're a father, you're a grandfather, that when you all of a sudden, this child that was not even thought of nine or 10 months prior to this, all of a sudden they come out and, and, and here they are, whether no matter if they're healthy or not healthy, what a miracle each one of them is. And I have to remember that when I'm teaching confirmation, each one of them are this a miracle of God. My own children are that way, but also other people's children. And we gather for worship. Every single person in the pew um, is part of that beautiful mystery of how God works and how he provides and how he brings all this to us. And we just have to just say, thanks be to God, as opposed to try to weigh over, evaluate, and think through it when it is just thanks be to God as we look out in God's creation. So any other thoughts on verse 5? No, I think we can go on. We've got a lot more to cover here. So, All right, verse 6, and continues on, really. He, he lays a groundwork like he did in verse 3 to get to verse 6. In the morning, sow your seed, and at evening, withhold not your hand. For you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. So I, I, I interpret this as he's saying, get to work. You know, um, yep. God's going to prosper. He's going to prosper, and some won't, and some will. So get to work. Your thoughts? 
Yeah, exactly. It's just, again, he's just reminding us there's a ton of stuff we can't control, but God is in control. So live out the vocation he's given you and, and trust him. Well, that's that's simple enough. Um, and, yeah. and that's good said with your uh, calling of a deaconess. And, and, and for, for any church, as we endeavor and move forward into the future, basically we're always praying, Lord, uh, prosper where you're going to prosper. And, and as we do this, we realize, and I realize this too, in, in preaching and teaching, there's plenty of people who are no longer believers. Uh, there's plenty of people that by God's grace still are. And it wasn't because I taught great or that I preached great. Um, it, it has to do with God's word being uh, proclaimed and him bearing the fruit, much like when you see the parables of Jesus when he talks about throwing yes. the seed out. So that's important for us to remember. And why why is that important for all of us in the church as Christians to remember that that this is all in God's hands? Because it can become a kind of a downer the more the more if you think about it too much. Oh, yeah, especially in our culture, where we, we, we now see how, sadly, America is becoming more and more spiritually apathetic. And, you know, in, in many of our own congregations, you know, we look out at the pews, and uh, in many of our congregations, uh, you know, we see a lot of gray heads. And, uh, and sadly, the younger generations, we think of the nuns, you know, they don't they don't really have uh, church as a priority if they believe in God at all. And so we can start to get discouraged and, and wonder, you know, uh, where's the, what, what, what our community is going to look like. Are, are, are we going to have a bunch of boarded up churches? Maybe, you know, the, you look at the history of the church and, and uh, there's been ups and downs as far as the, the influence of Christianity in various parts of the world at different times and places. But that cannot keep us from living out our mission. We, we continue to preach the truth and love, and, and we remember that God hasn't called us to be successful. He's called us to be faithful, and the growth of the church is in His hands. And so we just continue to, to proclaim God's Word faithfully and to love our neighbor and, and let God handle the mission. So in that hope that we have, let's move forward to our next two verses. Light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. This is where he Solomon's a realist. He's not a fatalist. He's a realist about life. Rejoice, but also remember there's not going to be all uh, unicorns and rainbows. Um, and, right, and, exactly. and he speaks about why we can rejoice. What is he saying in these verses? Well, his comment about the, the sun, I, I think, again, here's another thing we absolutely can't control. I mean, you know, what, what do I, like I tell our uh, kids in confirmation, what's one thing among others that we need for life? Well, we need the sun. Well, again, we don't have some company, you know, uh, uh, humans uh, making sure that we have sunlight. No, that, that's a total, totally out of our control. And, uh, and yet God provides that sweet sunshine that we need for life. It's a reminder to us, we do have a God who's taking care of us. We do have a God who knows what our needs are. And so uh, he goes on and says, hey, um, young man, rejoice in your youth. I don't think Solomon here is being a hedonist. He's not saying, mm. hey, uh, party hardy, because tomorrow you die. I don't think that's what he's saying. What he's saying is, you know, we have a God who's good. He, in a sin-cursed world, he does give us many pleasures 
He gives us the sun and, and a, a ton of other things that we could talk all day about. And we can go ahead and enjoy these things as good gifts from God. But remember that there will come a time when you're going to suffer. And, uh, and the fact is, we're not young forever. We start to get old. And I, I'm, I'm realizing now, uh, as I'm going to soon turn 59, boy, that's true. <laughs> you know, I, mm-hmm. I don't feel the way I did when I was 20. And so Solomon is also being a realist. He's saying, yes, enjoy the gifts that God gives you. But also remember, there is going to be pain and loss and suffering and eventually death in this life. And uh, from a human point of view, that would be all vanity unless you realize that your life is centered in God. And, and then suddenly the meaningless of suffering and death goes away and you find your eternal hope in Christ. I remember my father-in-law who, who grew up with multiple generations in his home, and we were hanging out with a number of older people, kind of an extended family situation. And, and someone just made a comment like, oh my, you know, that we're hanging out with old people, that's different. We're in our 20s. We weren't quite sure and how this all worked. And he said, you know what, guys, here's the deal. Someday that will be me. And, yeah. and, that's, and that's what it means to be part of family. And, and it's just a wonderful perspective. Such a good Christian man that he is reminds us of, okay, let's not act like, well, that'll never happen to me. Well, yeah, it will. So rejoice in the days that you have, but also know there will be darkness and we will wear away. And yes, it is all vanity, but we see it all, especially if you see that without God. Yeah, that is all vanity. But with God, we do see the opportunity to rejoice because you can't bark at the moon. You know, that's what I was thinking about when we talked about the sun. You can't control the sun. You don't bark at the moon because it's out and say, how dare you, uh, moon? You rejoice in what right. you can and move forward by God's grace. Other thoughts? Yeah. Um, well, you know, you, uh, the, um, well, we'll get into this. Why don't you read verse 9? It, it'll it'll I got it. flow okay. into what I want All to right. say. All right, yeah. We got, let's get to the rejoicing part here. Verse 9. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth. And let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. It starts great. It ends kind of strangely. How would you, how would you teach this verse? I think what he's saying here is, he, again, Solomon is good at, at keeping balance here. He's making sure that we realize Hey, what I'm telling you to enjoy life, I'm not talking about you being a hedonist. I says if that's the way you're going to approach, like like party, 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 live for me, uh, the, the God's going to bring you into judgment for that. It says instead, you, you need to enjoy life from the perspective of faith, realizing that that all this joy I have, it's not just you know some whim of evolution and and, and you know. Uh, like, uh, uh, well, all life's an accident and, and uh, pleasure and pain. It's all part of the meaningless of life. So I'm just going to enjoy what I have because, uh, you know, tomorrow it could be gone. He says, no, that's not the way we live. When we have pleasure as, as believers, we realize it's a gift from God. We, we give thanks to him, especially because it's an undeserved gift. We, we live in a sin-cursed world, and yet God mercifully provides for us. And so I think what he's saying here when he talks about, oh, young man, remember there's a God who judges you, that, that we need to go through life uh, remembering, uh, uh, live a life of repentance. Well, when, when we do have joy and pleasure, we give thanks to God for it and realize these are all undeserved gifts, rather than having an entitlement idea or just a, a life of hedonism. You know, Solomon reminds us that that there is a God uh, who will hold uh, sin and, and rebellion 
you know, uh, 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 under judgment. And, and so it's just a loving reminder for us, I think, when he says this, to live in daily repentance and humility before God, of thanking him for all his merciful gifts. And then when we do suffer, when we do suffer, rather than having a bitter heart and getting mad at God, we simply uh, say, thy will be done, Father, into your hand I commend my spirit. And how often, I mean, it just brings, brings to mind how often we will have something and we will nitpick it and then we lose sight of the rejoicing aspect of life, right? So I'll give you an example. Is, is that we, when the new hymnal came out in the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod, the Lutheran service book, I remember I went to a pastor's conference and, and us as pastors, we love to maybe overvaluate some things. I mean, we, we're, we're taught to do this, to discern the word, keep our doctrine straight, so forth. And so we're going through it and, and, and we're going through the, the dynamics of it, how it came to be. We had a few of the people who were on that committee, uh, commission on worship in order to uh, bring this wonderful gift to the church. And I remember we went back and forth about this, why this? Why not that? Why not this song? Why not that hymn and all this? And I remember, and you don't even think what's going on. And then eventually someone just says, you know what? I'm just going to just, I just give thanks to God. I mean, think about all the work that went into this and all the wonderful resources mm-hmm. we have to worship. And, th- and he wasn't trying to like chastise others because he said, I'm, I'm doing this too. I want to take a step back and just give thanks for everything that is there. I'm going to rejoice. There's things that maybe we don't like, maybe we don't, don't have. But we are able to be here to rejoice on whether you're young or old and to be full of this joy because, yeah, we know that we still have a God of your sins. Repent of your lack of appreciation. But at the same time, um, we rejoice in the Lord. And that goes with, I think, everything to your job, to your situation, your family, um, to uh, your neighbors, uh, to your friends, whoever it might be. We tend to get to that and we don't stop and think, how can I rejoice and have good cheer. So your thoughts. Yes. And I, I, you know, I think one thing Solomon is warning against here is, is this, you know, uh, uh, sure. There are, there are atheists out there who don't believe in God at all, but there are some people who do believe in God, but they think of him more as a genie in a lamp. You know, he, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, he's there to grant my wishes. And then when things don't go our way, we get bitter and angry at God. And he's going to deal with that um, in the next verse where he says, you know, when, when you do recognize that there is loss and pain and finally death in life, don't let that cause you bitterness and, 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 and just, uh, you know, regret and, and feeling sorry for yourself. Instead, find your joy in God. Realize that, that everything in life is an undeserved gift. And even through our suffering, God promises to work to be a blessing to us, to shape our character, and to remind us that 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 this life is finally not our eternal home. You know, uh, we have an eternal home that has been won for us in Christ, and so we live in that perspective. and And I think when we do that, because the temptation, uh, even for Christians, is that when when we do face times of tragedy and loss, it's a real temptation to get angry and bitter at God. And I think Solomon's trying to rescue us from that. So let's continue to verse 10, and then we can do quite a bit of reflection because we have about four minutes left in our time. Solomon writes, Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. So he sneaks in a little more vanity here, but he does say, you know, take away this vexation from your heart and put away this pain. 
how how does he wrap this together? Because chapter 12 is a clear like ending point, and here he's kind of preparing us for it. So verse 10, what is he saying? I think here uh, he, he's saying, uh, it, does life seem like a vanity because, you know, we do all this uh, hard work and then suddenly we, we, we have tragedy and loss and we grow old and eventually we die? Um, yeah, if you look at life from that point of view, uh, as though it's just all meaningless, you could become a very bitter, uh, sad person, you know, and, uh, and, and it might, if you believe in God at all, it might just lead you to say, well, uh, why even bother following him? I, I, an example of that, I think, if you read in the book of Malachi, uh, the prophet Malachi uh, quotes some of God's people who say, well, why bother even following the Lord? You know, I know unbelievers who have it better than me. You know, you know right. that kind of that kind of bitterness uh, and 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 uh, 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 just sorrow over life being meaningless. Solomon is saying, and don't don't let that happen to you. Um, our youth and life vanity uh, from the point of view of of loss and death, yes, but but that vanity goes away when you realize we're in the hands of our Creator and Savior. Who, who not only gives us many good things in life, but even when we are facing loss and death, he gives purpose and meaning to that, too. Uh, the Christian can face death, really realizing that even death is now in God's hands, and he's turned it into, uh, for the Christian, uh, into something that we can use to, to, to witness to others about the hope we have in Jesus, and knowing that, that for the Christian, death is not the end. It's, it's the doorway into uh, an eternal life that's anything but meaningless. And this, it, it really brings home to me when I think of, 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 of Psalm 55, when it says, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He'll never permit the righteous to be moved. And that brings to mind for me, as you said, that even death is in the Lord's hands, meaning he's taken on death himself and he's risen. Therefore, even in death, we will realize that we will be with the Lord, that we will have a resurrection, that he died and rose, we die and rise. And so there is there is always, we can just take this vexation, take this pain, even take death and cast that burden on Jesus because he's already bore it. Um, and, that, and that's such a comfort for us to then be able to filter everything through this lens of seize the day to take opportunities to rejoice in what we have for even if we die tomorrow, we will be with the Lord. Pastor, we have about a minute and a half left. As you look at chapter 11, a chapter I would say that I haven't read a whole lot or studied, when would be a, a good time to encourage people with these words, pastorally in the church? Um, when do people need to hear chapter 11? Well, I would say uh, not only does this apply when we're going through hard times, but I would say uh, this is especially important for what I call preemptive preaching, <laughs> meaning wow. that we ne we need to have this foundation of 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 the big picture uh, uh, firmly in hand, so that when when the hard times do come, we already know how to understand them, how it fits into the big picture. And and uh, I think one reason many Christians end up being bitter is that that we we, we you know let's face it we have a uh, we think of you know the Joel Osteen's out there your best life now and and when people fall into the trap of thinking oh you know uh, following Jesus means that that um, I'm going to have health wealth and prosperity and and things will go my way and then suddenly when the tragedies come we get bitter and we we, we even doubt God well 
uh, chapter 11 is a great way to preempt that. <laughs> uh, Solomon gives us the big picture here and shows us what life is really about. It's about thanking God and enjoying his good gifts that are completely undeserved, but also realizing that there is suffering and loss and pain in this life, and it shouldn't take us by surprise. It's part of living in a sin-cursed world. But then trusting um, that the same Lord who allows this to happen also allowed himself to suffer and die on the cross for us to give us eternal hope. And and so I think, you know, uh, this would be a good chapter to, to give to people, even during good times, so that when the tough times come, they understand how to under to, to perceive these things and, and trust in the Lord. Pastor Thomas Eckstein of Concordia Lutheran Church in Jamestown, North Dakota, giving us God's strong word of wisdom from Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Pastor Eckstein, thank you again for the gifts. Yeah, my privilege. Saints of our Lord, he tells us that life is not an equation. Life is not you do this, you do this, and everything will go great. But he is encouraging us. He knows that. He's gone through that. He's done the equation. He has all the money. He's done everything. But in this, he tells us that life is in God's hands. And he continues to have us move forward, plunge onward, for the Lord Jesus has hands that have been nail-driven. And that nail-driven reminds us that no matter what comes our way, it is in his I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe.